0: The most pleasant exhaustion podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highecheloncpa.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency, so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at elemental altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing, such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing, which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. Drop them a line at info at ElementalAltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is ElementalAltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at BluePineappleTravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel Advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL Coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the most pleasant exhaustion podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching and Performance, High Echelon PC, Elemental Altitude Training Center, and Blue Pineapple Travel. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor, and I am excited to offer up this extra to the regular Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. We sometimes do this when there are Events that warrant um, are getting together very briefly and just talking about them and offering our analysis. And the event that precipitated this particular extra of the podcast is Sep Coos from Durango, Colorado, winning the Vuelta a Espana. Who better to discuss that with me than our old friend Justin Dugan? Justin, thanks for coming on, man. George, thanks for having me.
1: Uh, also, thank you to Michelle and Eric uh, for having me and uh, letting me jump on here. Right on, man. Right on. So this is a very important part uh, in American cycling. We haven't had a, uh, I, I guess the word would be a, a distinguished or recognized Grand Tour winner in quite some time, being that uh, um, our former seven-time uh, Grand Tour winner, um, all, all of his titles were stripped. So uh, Sepp Kuss, the worker uh, extraordinaire for um Jumbo Visma or whatever they're going to be called in the near future or still called but Jumbo team the most dominant cycling team in uh grand tour cycling won the Vuelta a Espana absolutely Amazing.
0: they they and we should say they not only won the Vuelta a Espana they also won the Tour de France they also <laughs> won the Giro d'Italia this year they became the first team ever to win all three grand tours in a single season which is beyond impressive um and they with, won it with three, with three different, different riders, riders yeah yeah, with yeah three different riders yeah and which is something that's going to play into our conversation here in just a minute but uh but primo Roglič uh won the uh the giro d'italia uh jonas vingegaard won the tour de france and now of course america's own sep coos wins the vuelta a españa quick question justin uh how psyched are you from zero to ten to see sep win uh i i would i would put it at a 10
1: he's he's one of the type of guys that i really really like in cycling because he isn't the typical top step of the podium um he's not uh you know he's not the gc he's not the leader of the team he is the guy that uh, rides the hardest to set the leader up in, you know, he, he would be like, uh, the assist man in, uh, in hockey or in basketball. He's, he's not the guy that, uh, you know, people are buying his, you know, Jersey or, uh, anything like that. He, he's the one that, you know, does the dirty job. I mean, arguably they say he's probably one of the best climbers in all of cycling because he's the one on the front of the, the jumbo train ripping everybody's legs off setting either Jonas or Primos up to win a stage and raise their arms and, you know, collect their, uh, you know, their colored Jersey of choice. Um, but he fell into some interesting circumstances this year and, uh, ended up, uh, getting his own colorful Jersey
0: for sure. For sure. But it was not a straight path. We should say
1: <laughs> it, it so, wasn't. Uh, yeah. I, I sent you a message the other day, uh, saying that, um, uh, Remco Evenepoel deserves a nice Spanish ham from uh, from <laughs> um, from Sepcoos because uh, I I think he owes a little bit uh, of his win to to Remco.
0: So I I would say that's probably true as well. So let's talk a little bit about about uh, how Sepcoos got there and what Remco ultimately had to do with it and and just some of the problems they faced along the way. So Sepcoos won stage six. Right. Um yes. he won stage six, as is often happens early on in grand tours. Um, he moved up towards the front of the field. He moved into like second place, third place, something else like that. Very hilly stage, very mountainous stage. Um, and it was cool to watch him win a stage. Like for somebody like Sep his team says, You don't have to help out today. You can actually go win a stage on your own here. That's about as good as it gets, right? He's he's won a Tour de France stage, but then mm-hmm. Fast forward about two or three days, and suddenly he's in the red jersey. Take it from there, Justin. Yep. Um, I will. I'm actually going to jump back a couple of days. Um, so
1: the the highlighted day for me was day three. Okay. Remco Evenepoel wins that stage. You know, a, a mountainy stage, and you know, second place was Jonas Vingegaard. Fourth place was Primoz Roglic. Mm-hmm. Remco, who I had put on my podium takes the red jersey Mm -hmm. and it's early on you don't want to be the leader of the race for the whole race and you know there was talks about okay well he's got it he's got to get rid of that jersey so
0: and we we, we should also say that Rimko Evenepoel was last year's champion of the Tour of Spain correct yes he was the
1: defending champion he's a fantastic bike rider Um, you know tremendous amount of wins under his belt Um, and you know I'd, I'd like to see great things from him I think he's a fun a fun cyclist to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, then we jump down a few days. Sepcoos wins on stage six, and it puts Lenny Martinez in the red jersey, who is mm-hmm. the youngest rider in the race. Nobody's ever really heard much about him. He's the perfect guy to wear the red jersey because he gets to go do all the podiums, he has to do all the interviews, all the good guys don't have much to do. But it puts Sepkus in second, mm-hmm. which, you know, good place if you've got Primos, who the team was pretty much set up for Primus Primo's Roglic to win. It was his, you know, tour throughout the season. At the end of the Tour de France, Jonas, of course, raises his hand and says, oh, I'd like, you know, I'd like to be on the team for uh, the Tour of Spain. And he goes, they're going to have the most powerful team. Their objective is to win all three tours. They got, you know, they've got the dream team set up for success. Mm-hmm. If everything went according to plan. Right. So, um, we skip down to stage eight. Primos wins that stage. Uh, you know, Step Sep is up there, stays in the red jersey. It's good. It's only stage eight. Plenty of time for Sep to wear the jersey, go to all the meetings. Primos and Jonas can go to the bus and relax. Then we go down to stage 10. And Filippo Ghana, one of my favorite guys, one of the most powerful time trialists in cyclist in cycling, he wins the the time trial Remco comes in second, but Sepp Coos has the time trial of his life. I, I think it, it looked like they bought a time trial bike from the store and didn't get him a <laughs> proper fitting or any custom bars or anything. I mean, it looked like the bike I could go buy tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, And he kept the red Jersey, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in a stage where there was some talk, if, if Remco had the day, he might, get back into the red jersey and and fight for there mm-hmm. so we jumped down to uh, to stage 13 the cote de Tourmalais. a big mountain huge day a lot of implications everybody's eyeballs were on this one
0: all the fans had it circled on their calendars including you and me yes definitely and
1: jonas vingegaard destroys everybody wins the stage Sep comes in second, but Remco has a meltdown and and must have stopped and had a, a nice lunch uh, halfway through the climb and loses twenty seven minutes and twenty seven minutes.
0: T- I yeah. I've never actually seen somebody meltdown so badly they lost twenty seven minutes. Um, yeah. yeah, it was it was it was striking, obviously, and he he completely dropped from contention for the overall lead of the race at that point.
1: So so this is where I had said. I feel like Remco owes Sep, you know, or uh, Sep owes Remco a, a nice, a nice ham, uh, because <laughs> this this really shuffled the deck. Mm-hmm. Now you've got Sep in red, Jonas Vingegaard and Primoz Roglic up, all up high in the GC with a couple other guys fighting things out, but there's no superstar that's really challenging them the way that Remco had,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that kind of make, makes everybody wonder, you know, Sepp's got a couple of minutes. You know, the only person that would, could or would attack our guys on the same team. So what do we do? Like, he's not really supposed to win this tour, but he's got it. And if he rides well, like, you know, we, we don't really know what to do. So mm-hmm. the next day, stage 14, everybody is scratching their head. Remco wins. What, you know, he he must have gotten you know some extra electrolytes when he stopped for uh for a break the day before because he was in great form that day but didn't really matter they let him off the front you know
0: and he had his and day. didn't get back nearly nearly enough to 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 regain contention status at all so no twenty twenty seven minutes is way too much time to be able to make up he he won that he was impressive that day. Um, He he was, but yeah, they took back a few of those 27 minutes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They, they had no reason to chase him. He could have had, Mm -hmm. you know, they could have given him even more time, even though I did hear Sep had a conversation with him in the Peloton and said, look, you can go off the front, but eventually we're going to have to start chasing you down. Like we can't, (laughs) we can't let you back into this thing. Right. Um, So we have a couple more days um, and we get to stage 16 where Jonas Vingegaard attacks. And he wins and he takes some time and he makes it a close race between himself and Sepp. And he moves into second place right behind Sep, and mm-hmm. Primos is now in third. Mm-hmm. And everybody starts to think, well, wait a minute, what's going on here?
0: Why, why is Jonas Vingegaard attacking his teammate who is in the red jersey? Right.
1: And all the questions start to come up as, oh, well, we thought Primos was going to be the team leader, if anybody was going to be, but you just showed you're in really good form and you just attacked, you know, your own guy. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. So the, the world media, everybody, you know, fans are all confused. So to get everybody even more confused, the next exactly. day, Primos and Jonas attack Sep on the final climb. And put some time into him, you know, not a tremendous amount, but they attack and they put maybe, I don't know, I think it was like 10, 10 to 15 seconds into him. And it brings the margin to only eight seconds between Sep and Jonas. Right. And that was the day where, you know, everybody was like, oh, this team is falling apart. This is a mess. This is terrible. Uh, This is the worst. Sep deserves it you know, yada, yada. Everybody, you know, on Jumbo is saying, well, should be the strongest rider on the road. You know, what have you, but all of us here in America and that are fans of SEP and fans of American cycling are just thinking, Hey, he, he's great. Like you're on the same team. Don't attack the guy, let him win. Even though, right. you know, that it it's not the job he went there to do, but he found himself in obviously the strange circumstance. Right. Um, right. and, And not to be gifted the jersey, but I I, I feel deserved is is a fair word.
0: So, 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 So let me let me jump in there, too, and add two things. First is to say that that some momentum had built at this point, you're talking about, you know, a 21 stage race by stage 17. People are looking toward the end of the race and they're thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, who is going to win? Well, you have this super popular guy, not only in the United States, but really around the world. And he lives in Spain with his wife, who is from Spain. And so he's popular on the road there in Spain, too. Right. Um, uh, And so people had begun to say, well, the only two people that could possibly catch him, unless he has some sort of major rimco style meltdown here, are his teammates. And why would they do that? Why right. would they want to try and push him back off the podium into second or third when, A, they're his teammates, and B, he is a superstar teammate. All six of the Grand Tours that have been won by Jumbo Visma over the course of the last few years had Sepp Kous on the team. The Grand Tours that Primos has won, he had Sepp Kuss, Sepp Kuss helping him out. The Grand Tours right. that Jonas Vingegaard has won, he had Sepp Kuss helping him out. So why are Primoz Roglic and Jonas Vingegaard now turning against Sepp Kuss rather than helping him out the same way he had always helped them out? Right. And I mean, astonishingly two
1: of those grand tour wins were this year. This is Sepp's right? third grand tour of the <laughs> year, which, which is unbelievable. You to know, even amount, finish
0: three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To, to finish. I mean, most cyclists don't do two, The fact that he's, you know, finished three and won one of them is, you know, unbelievable. Right. Um, And the fact that his teammates were going after him, even though that's their job is to win and his job is to work by the end of the race. I mean, there was the kind of finale stage, which which didn't matter um, in the GC scheme of things. There was a sprint stage. You know, there wasn't a lot of racing left. There was, you know, about one stage left that anything could happen. And that was stage twenty. Uh, where again, Remco had won stage 18. He comes in second uh by by a hair on 20. You know, he he had the most energy. He he ended up being an electrifying part of the race, getting the polka dot jersey. Um, and stage 20 finishes. Jonas gives a little bit of time back to Sep. So there's a little bit more of a margin. They come across the line, you know, arm in arm celebrating mm-hmm. to, I guess, really prove to the world that there's there's unity in the team uh, that they appreciate and have a friendship. And, you know, after stage 20, it's pretty much locked in. Sep wins the Vuelta, which was uh, a, br- yeah. a, a that was a really great moment.
0: Yeah. So it was, it was basically after stage 17 and after the outcry and after all the memes and everything else, which we'll talk about here in just a minute, <laughs> um, after the T-shirts, which I know you bought one, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. Um, after all of these things, after the outcry against Jim Visma and their team and against Jonas Vingegaard and Primos Roglic themselves um, individually. Um, after stage 17, they announce before stage 18, okay, Sep kus is our designated leader. We're going to protect his red jersey. We're going to help him win this race. Stage 18, they do that. Stage 19, stage 20, they do that. Then, of course, stage 21, they do, and so he ends up taking the win. Ultimately, Jumbo Visma, fittingly, not only did they win all three Grand Tours, but then they they do the last Grand Tour with all three podium positions. Um, and yeah. so Sepp Kuss wins, Jonas Vingegaard, it was second at 17 seconds behind him. Uh, and then Primoz Roglic was third at one minute and eight seconds behind Sepp Kuss. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about kind of what happened here. Um, you know, Sep Kuse, only the fourth American, like we just said, to to ever win a Grand Tour. The last one was Chris Horner, who also won the Vuelta back in 2013. The others were in the 80s. Andy Hampston went in the Giro and Greg LeMond, of course, went in the, uh, the Tour de France a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. But but um, first of all, like, why did this happen, you suppose? Why, <laughs> why, why didn't Jonas and Primoz sort of fall into the role of being helpers and support the person that had always supported them. What do you think, Justin?
1: Well, I mean, those two guys are, you know, they are winners. I mean, Primos has won the Vuelta several times. Jonas Mm -hmm. has won uh, the Tour de France, you know, the biggest bike race in the world twice. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you're a GC, when you are a team leader of the biggest team, you've got, you know, you've got to walk that walk. You've got to, you know, be a little bit colder. You've got to be a ruthless killer in order to do that. And, you know, you look at people who have have been GCs before. You know, Chris Froome, he, you know, wasn't the nice guy in the Peloton. You look at, um, you know, like a Contador or Lance or, you know, Any of these guys, they were not the nice guy. They weren't the workhorse of the team. They were the guy that, you know, their team did their work. They went to the front. They won. Mm -hmm. And I think when that's your job, you expect that. You expect Mm -hmm. when you go into a bike race, you to wait, 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 wait. When it's time, you go. Mm -hmm. And with Sep ending up in the red jersey, I'm sure everybody at the time looked at it. This is perfect. He's got the jersey. Our team has the jersey. Our guys are still ready when it's time to go win. And, you know, let him do a little, you know, even more work by having to go to a press conference and, you know, doping control while our guys can sit back and just prepare for their stages. Um I feel that Primo's kind of got the short end of the stick because throughout the year, his plan was race the Juro then raced of Vuelta, and he was going to be the team leader for this for this race you know jonas coming aboard was kind of a slap in his face going you know well we want to make sure we win all three grand tours so we're just going to put the guy who just won the biggest race ever on the team uh yeah yeah he'll help you sure um <laughs> but if for some reason you have a problem and crash which primos has you know done plenty of times and not finished the race at least they have a second option in jonas mm-hmm. Se- sep fell on pretty lucky circumstances and being as strong of a rider as he is you know he gets the jersey he he keeps the jersey when people thought he was going to lose it and i think management of the team finally had to sit those guys down and say hey fall in line sep's going to win mm-hmm. and uh i think whether they like it or not that's I think it's a great outcome to have three different riders win. I agree. I three, think cool. three races, have the other two guys on the podium. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, this story is going to be talked about in cycling for forever. I mean, this yeah. is one of the most amazing, you know, finales to a race ever.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, whenever people talk over the course, literally, like you say, over the course of the next 50, 60 years, Um, Long after you and I are done watching cycling, people are going to say, well, you remember back in 2023, Jumbo Visma, that super strong team, became the first team to win all three Grand Tours, and they did it with different riders, and they topped it off with with taking all three podium positions in a Vuelta España. I mean, just, you know, an incredibly strong team and an incredibly strong year uh incredibly strong mm-hmm. body of work from this team no it was it was for the ages for sure you know I, I I can appreciate what you're saying about essentially what it sounds to me like you're saying is that that you feel like Jonas and and Primo's are just not wired for this um and, and part, yeah uh, sure I yeah I can the, agree with the, that that like the the idea that you know, particularly Primos, and I think you make a good point. His expectation was oh, okay, well, I'm the designated leader, and so that means that at some point I actually need to attack and and ride away, regardless of what everybody wants. This is what the plan actually was. Um I I, I hear you on that. Um, and I think that's a good point. I, I'm not inclined to blame Primos and Jonas. I, I actually blame team management because I think that, that Oh, sure. There, there was a rest day in between stage fifteen and stage sixteen, and and by the end of stage fifteen, by that second rest day, it's clear that barring anything really unforeseen, that that Sep can win, and that Jonas and Primos can finish second and third. Like yep. you were looking at that outcome after that second rest day before stage sixteen, and at that point, people are getting excited about Sep winning. They're they're talking about it not only. In like the fanboy terms that we're talking about it, that, that you know, they really like Sepkus and they think it's cool, but they're also talking about it in terms of this really demonstrates the strength of the team to win with three different people, um, things like that. That to me is when the team management should have said, all right, look, w- none of us foresaw this, but this is what the outcome needs to be. And and Primos, yeah, I realized that this is not the ideal situation for you. But, but this is what needs to be. To me, the the whole, well, we're going to let the road decide who the team leader is or, or and that, that sort of thing that the team management was going with before that. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of, that's just bad leadership to me. Um, I,
1: yeah, I agree. I mean, we saw things like that with um, Ineos yeah. when they would have four GC guys on the team and the first week they would say, Oh, well, we'll let the, you know, we'll let the road decide who the leader is. Right. And uh, you know, two of them would crash out and they would all be, you know, the 40th place and it didn't yeah. really matter. But yeah. in a situation like this, like you said, so deep into the race, management should have, you know, had a, had a closed door meeting with those guys and said, look, this
0: is what's going to happen. And, and that's, and that's the job of management, right? right? That's the job of the of the leaders of the team is, is not only to look at the way that things are unfolding, but also to, to take into account what fans are saying and what people want and what the legacy of the team looks like and things like that. That's like their job. Primos And Jonas, that's not their job to look at those sorts of things, particularly not when they're in the midst of a grand tour, their job is to, to, to pedal. Sure.
1: And I, I think by the end of stage 17, um, they saw enough media that, that got them to fall in line.
0: Yeah. I mean, totally. Um, Because, because like I said before, the two of them actually were, were, were personally criticized. Um, oh yeah tremendous beyond, beyond this just this, this team management. So so for me yeah I I didn't blame the two of them quite so much and and I'm even less inclined to after what you said about how they're not wired for it which I think is true. Um for me it was it was it was a management issue that that somebody needed to have somebody needed to have a courageous conversation with the two of them about what needed to happen i.e. let's let Sep win because this is the best optics and the best historical scenario for our team. Um oh, yeah and and people, the, the team management just wasn't willing to have that conversation with their two stars. Now, I can understand why well, maybe they're worried about scaring off Primos and that he would go sign for another team or Jonas would feel the same way or something like that. Like, I can appreciate that. But still, I mean, you're 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 managing some of the best athletes in the world. You need to be a better manager than that. Yeah, know? totally. Um, um, all right. So so on that note, then next question, what do you think this does to Jumbo Visma? Um, do you think that, that, you know, Sepp is a, I mean, by all accounts, he's a nice guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly he has just sacrificed himself, as I just said before, so many times for the sake of his teammates to ensure that the team is able to win. Um, do you think he's going to be willing to, uh, support his teammates as ardently as he has in the past moving forward, knowing that maybe they did not support him? Uh,
1: I, I think that he may carry some of that. That's a, it's a great question. And he, he's even said, I'm, I'm looking forward to going back to my job. Like he, he doesn't want to be a GC. He can win one day races. He can win. He, he, he has proven I can win. And Mm. in, in those times when he's working for Jonas and he's working for Primos again, you know, he can kind of, you know, give him a wink when he looks over his shoulder when he's taking his, you know, super pull up, you know, some crazy climb and go, hey, hang on, or else I'm gonna win this one too. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, that might be a, a nice little feather in his cap. It might, it might help uh, you know, salary negotiations down the line when uh somebody comes a knock in and says, Hey, look, we could use a guy that can win a grand tour. Like we'll right. build a team for you and we'll we'll, we'll roll out the Brinks truck. Um, I I think it's helped him a lot. I think he, I I don't think he wants it, especially for this team. Um, He just wants to, to ride legs, you know, ride the legs off of uh, their competitors and set his guys up. I think, you know, I think his job as a workhorse is what he really likes and
0: uh, what's best. I, I, I agree with you. Mostly. I agree with you like 99% because <laughs> um, I think you're right. And, and you've done bike races and I've done bike races too. Obviously we haven't done grand tours, but, but I can tell you that I actually drew much more satisfaction from supporting one of my teammates and friends to do well in a race than I did from actually doing well in a race myself. Like, oh sure, th- there's something very gratifying about playing a supporting role and just like putting the hurt on everybody else on the team so that the, or everybody else in the race so that your teammate can win that's very gratifying um and and that that seems to be something that he likes that seems to be something he enjoys the one and so i agree with you on that 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 he said he's looking forward to going back to his job and if you like listened in and the conversations between him and his wife and his family and stuff like that when they were in the finish area like he it was more like relief that was over yeah, you know what I mean. He he was like, "Oh, finally done!" Right. I, <laughs> I think the pressure is not something that he particularly enjoyed, even though I, I think he's obviously very proud that 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 he won the the Tour of Spain. Um, all that being said, the the one percent that that where I might not totally agree with you is I do wonder that now that he's gotten a taste. Now, now that he's gotten a taste of what it feels like to be on the top step of the podium, and he's gotten all the attention he's gotten, and frankly, like you said, his agent is probably talking to him about the bargaining power that he can now <laughs> uh, demand, and 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 how much more earning potential he has. You know, he's 29 years old at this point, and so he's probably starting to think about the tail end of his career. He's probably more than halfway through his pro career. He actually turned uh, he actually turned 29 on September 13th. Um, I, b- I believe that was uh, yeah I believe yeah. that
1: was stage 17 where Jonas and Primoz stabbed him uh, with with all their swords it was.
0: It was, you know happy freaking birthday right <laughs> I mean so 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 he's got to be looking forward to the last part of his career and I wonder if he's maybe now over the course of this long off season, gonna start thinking you know maybe maybe I should try and build upon this GC win in the Vuelta and become yeah. a GC rider. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he could get a lucrative contract with uh
1: DSM or you he know, could. Lotto or somebody.
0: He could. Um and, and is that something he wants to do? Would he rather be the leader of and get an opportunity of a team that's not very strong, or would he rather be one of the strongest people on a historically strong team?
1: I I don't know. I, I think yeah. being I think being the strongest guy on the strongest team is uh is pretty special. And I mean even saying that, I'm I'm scratching my head thinking, what if Wout were there? Mm-hmm. I mean, they they have probably the other strongest cyclist in uh, Wout Van Art, and he wasn't even in in this race, right. right? Um, so yeah, they've got a lot of personalities to deal with uh, next next time they have the whole team together, which will be interesting
0: for sure, for sure. All right. This is just an extra episode, so we're not going to keep on going on and on and on. But I do want to know, <laughs> like we said, there was a lot of outcry after stage 16, particularly after stage 17, where uh, up the Angleroo, which is the notorious climb there in Spain, um, after he was dropped, Primos and Jonas dropped him um, and put a little bit more time on it and, and shorten that gap all the way down to eight seconds between Jonas and 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 sep sep actually had to sprint past mikhail landa uh mm-hmm. there in stage 17 to try and get third place bonus seconds in order to be able to hang on to his jersey um lots of memes filled the internet what were your favorite memes
1: uh there there were tons i i uh there was one of anakin skywalker <laughs> that i really liked uh talking mm-hmm. to padme in a field and i i think it was anakin was supposed to be Sep, and it said like Primo's Jonas, you guys are going to let me win. Right. And mm. you know, then it's him again saying, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought that one was, I thought that was great. Um, yeah. th- the shirt that I bought was called, uh, the Caesar and it is <laughs> Sep with, uh, it's a black silhouette with a red Jersey and a bunch of swords in the back. Um, and I was just like, that's the perfect thing. I love it. I was like, he's fighting even, even with all these swords from his own guys. Uh, stabbing him in the back
0: right on right on i appreciated that there was a a guy on spotify a user named max who put together a public playlist called the gc coos (laughs) playlist and the Mm -hmm. first song on it was this by OK go then red (laughs) by taylor swift and so if you read through the entire thing it's this red jersey is mine stop trying to steal my happiness sucker <laughs> <laughs> eight songs of course finishing up with sucker by the jonas brothers there it's merely a 25 minute playlist but i got a pretty big kick out of that it's not a bad playlist either some elvis presley some future mm-hmm. uh etc etc um i like that one um i also like the one that that showed um uh it had pictures of mikhail landa and it said thank you for helping uh sep and then it had a picture of of uh, Jonas and Primos and said, not you. <laughs> and then it goes back to the <laughs> yeah. Carolina, keep the red Jersey today at the Vuelta.
1: <laughs> yeah. I saw that one. I I did enjoy that. So, I, so, yeah. I thought, you know, as far as not only on road cycling, but commentary memes, uh, the excitement in some of the stages towards the end of the race, it was a fun bike race to watch. Yeah. I mean, Remco's highs and lows made it really exciting I mean yeah. he wore I believe he wore seven different jerseys <laughs> during the race which I mean that that number alone is unbelievable and he almost won another one on the last day right. um it it was uh, it was a wild ride and um, uh, you yeah. know I'm I'm sad now that I don't have uh, a grand tour to look forward to until the spring
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No, Remco, he won three stages and he nearly won three or more stages, as a matter yeah. of fact. Um, so it's crazy. Was, was won the polka dot Jersey, the mountain climber Jersey, as you said, uh, one most aggressive rider of the race. Duh. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, was one of the big animators, one of the motor uh, motors in the, on the last day, which is this sort of ceremonial stage. And then they kind of do laps around Madrid. Um, uh, similar to what they did in this year or this year, similar to what they've done in the Tour de France for the last few decades, even though they're not doing it next year, as we've talked about. Um, uh, it was supposed to be a sprint stage. And and along with Caden Groves and and Filippo Ghana and a few others, uh, Remco Attacks stays off the front and, and this sort of breakaway type hybrid thing ends up taking the win. So... Yeah. It, it yeah. was a, it was a super group breakaway. I
1: mean, right. it was unbelievable. And yeah. the guy that, and uh, arguably the breakaway won cause Caden Groves, who was in that group won the race that day right. uh, solidifying the green Jersey that could have been taken away by Remco if yeah. he had won in, you know, some yeah. sort of funky math, but it was, uh, it yeah, even it made the last day. Yeah. yeah. It made it the was last fascinating. day. Great. It really
0: was. I mean, the, like, Um, just when you think it's going to be like a ceremonial follow the script stage, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. A a bunch of superstar engines go off the front. I tell you, my friend, and this will be the last word, all three grand tours this year were brilliant. Um, you Mm. know, John Movisma won all three and that was amazing and historic, but none of them were a straight path and all of them were fascinating. Um, all of them had great stories and, and all of them were, were super fun to watch. So, uh. I'm looking forward to next year. And like you said, yeah, it's uh, how soon till May? How soon till the zero? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right on, right on. Justin, thanks again for joining us, man. I appreciate you uh, being with me here on this extra podcast. George, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Pleasant Podcast, on Twitter at Pleasant Podcast, on Instagram at Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at ITLCoaching.com. Their Twitter is at ITL Coaching, and their Facebook group is Facebook.com slash ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them on Instagram, at ITLCoaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at ElementalAltitude.com, on Instagram, at ElementalAltitude, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ElementalAltitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at BluePineappleTravel.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BluePineappleTravel, or on Instagram, at BluePineappleTravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at highecheloncpa.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Olinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.